Um, go with me, please, to Matthew, the seventh chapter. Matthew 7, I was impressed, I believe, to uh, pause our current series that we're on and share this with you today. And uh, I believe it all goes together with what the Lord's doing for us right now. Our desire as your pastors is to see you flourish. To see you prosper. And when I say prosper, I'm not just talking about financially. I mean flourish. Hmm? Third John 2. Beloved, I wish, I desire above all things that you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. All the blessing of God comes from the inside out. And, uh, you know, us getting this nice hangar and this nice airplane, it brings up uh, issues that people have different thoughts about. And a lot of folks are very critical of these kind of things. You know that. Not you. I know not you. You the one bought it. (laughs) And all our partners everywhere, everybody in Sarasota, everybody that's joined with us, many, many many thousands of people all over the the globe. And so you understand uh, the the things I'll be saying about this. uh, I'm not trying to talk anybody into anything. I'm not trying to talk anybody to get in something we got it but my desire is that nobody be robbed in their life from receiving the same level of thing and caliber of thing and I know in order for that to happen a lot of people and and you got to remember when I say a lot of people there are a lot more people outside these buildings seeing and hearing these things than in the buildings. And a lot of them are new. And uh, I'm believing there will be a whole lot more that may look at some of these things even next year or five years from now. And a lot of these folks have come from either no background or traditional background. And some things are ingrained in their thinking And it just sounds wrong to them Mm -hmm. for a church to have a jet Mm -hmm. or anything expensive or nice. It sounds wrong to a lot of people to have a big, nice building like this. Or it sounds wrong to spend millions to go on TV and and the Internet. No, it just sounds wrong. Uh, People are taught that money could be put to better use. Hmm? Well, is that true? <laughs> we need to answer some of these questions. And, and those of you that know, you'll just be reaffirmed. And those that don't, uh, I believe enlightened. And uh, even if you feel like you're pretty strong in, in what you believe about it, 
it could arm you to help answer somebody's yes. questions that's going to talk to you about yes. something yes. next year or, yes. or tomorrow. Yep. Not just about our stuff, but about any of this stuff. In uh, Matthew 7, well, no, no, go to Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Let's do it this way. Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter, and verse 6, Hebrews 11, 6. I believe some people are going to have some breakthroughs today. And tomorrow, I, I believe so. I'm confident about it. What, what holds you back? What holds you down? What restricts you? Ignorance and lies. You know what makes you free? The truth will make you free. Well, if the truth will make you free, what will lies do to you? They do the opposite. They bind you. All the unsaved people of the world, 2 Corinthians 4 says, they're that way because the God of this world, the devil, has blinded the minds of them, lest they should see the glorious light of the gospel. Well, that's the truth. And the truth lets you see, and the truth makes you free. Lies blind, and lies bind. If, it's got, if it pleases God for us to be poor, let's do it. Quit playing with it. Quit messing around with it. Hmm? But if not, if he's actually pleased with the prosperity of his servant, like the scripture says, why would we keep letting this other stuff bug us? I'm reminded of what Elijah told the people. If Baal is God, serve him. If God is God, serve him. But make up your mind. Choose this day. Right? Make up your mind. Choose who you're going to serve. Well, we need to choose what we're going to believe. If it's wrong to have some nice things and expensive things. And we're, we're partly embarrassed about it. And we don't want anybody to know. We'll try, try to hide it. Well you shouldn't be doing something you feel bad about. Huh? If you believe it's wrong. Uh, sin is violation of light. To him that knows to do good. And does it not to him. Notice what it says. To him. It's not the same for everybody. Because we all have different light. To him it's sin. And whatever is not of faith is sin. So if you think it's wrong. To have nice stuff. And you do it anyway. To you it's sin. It is. I'm glad I don't believe that. <laughs> Everybody okay? You're believing with me for utterance on these things, right? If, uh, if God is pleased with us prospering and doing good and having abundance and even having nice things, then we should not let anybody's wrong thinking about this phase us. Amen. 
And we should never feel like we need to apologize for something God gave us. They're the ones that's got a problem if they believe lies. We don't have to be mean about it or judgmental, but at the same time, it will help them to see that we're confident in what we believe. We're not violating our conscience. Hey, you know, uh, a lot of people that don't know, they, they hear something like what we're talking about today, and they think, well, that, you know, that Keith Moore is bound to be a crook. A preacher with a jet? He's got to be a crook. Hmm? And in their mind, they see uh, poor widow ladies' uh, monies were put together that we took up to build an orphanage that we turned around and bought a jet with. That's the kind of idea they got. But uh, there's no lying here. There's no misrepresentation here. There's no stealing here. This money was given for this piece of equipment. It would be illegal and immoral to spend it on an orphanage. You didn't give it for that. Building an orphanage is great. But there's no dishonesty here. There is a lot of wrong thinking in the world. Of course, you kind of expect that. But in the church, too. Have anybody run into it? There is some kind of wrong thinking in the church. It's prevalent. So what, what do we believe? And why do we believe it? Could you help somebody? Could you show them in the scriptures? Why do we believe this way? He said this, without faith it's impossible to please him, God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. That God exists and that God is God. Now it's not optional. If you're going to come to him and be with him and fellowship with him and walk with him, you must believe this. Well, that should be pretty obvious, right? If you don't believe God exists, you ain't going to be walking with him. But, but many believe that in, in church, but they don't go to the next one. You must also believe. You've got to believe something else. You've got to believe what? He is a rewarder. Oh, ah, hallelujah. Somebody say he's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. What's a rewarder? The reason people struggle with these things is either they don't believe that God is, is, is real or he's able or they don't believe he's that good. They struggle with the goodness of God. And I tell you, you and I have not arrived at believing God's full goodness. God is so good that every one of us has a choking point. (laughs) But it can be pushed past. It can be overcome. Every one of us. It's possible right now today that God could do something for a brother or sister that is so far beyond anything we've ever thought that we'd have a problem with it. We'd look at it and go, 
Now that, that might be too much. <laughs> Whether you said it or not. Every one of us. Every one of us. Has a point where we would look at it and go. Huh. I just don't know. That seems like maybe that's. But is it that it's too much? Too much for who? All you found out. Was it is too much for you? Yes, sir. <laughs> That's all you found out. The things the Lord did for us this past week. To Him, uh, as far as power wise, they are very, very, very small. What must it look like to Him? Hmm? He created the universe. Right? Yes, sir. These things have to be so tiny in his eyes as far as what they might be worth intrinsically or what it would take to make them or do them. They are tiny. Now, if it's important to us, it's important to him because he's your daddy. <laughs> right? Yes, Just like a little plastic doll, if it matters to your child, it matters to you. Well, the head came off, and they're having a problem with that. And, and you, you know, it's only a dollar thirty-nine doll, but, but, because they care, you care, and you see about getting it fixed or replaced or whatever. Well, that's how he is with us. But the actual thing itself, I mean, a million dollars, it wouldn't look like a penny to him. A billion wouldn't look like a penny to him. A trillion wouldn't look like a penny to him. It wouldn't look like a penny to him. The limitation is not with him. Now a lot of people will agree with that. They'd go, well that's right, that's right. God can do anything. But then to explain why things don't happen, they say, yeah, but he he doesn't want to. It's not his will. He could do it. But he doesn't want to. Well, what they don't realize is that's casting a shadow on his character. He doesn't want to. Well, yeah, he could. He could give you a, a really nice car, a really nice house, or nice clothes. He could give you an amazing home place. He could do that. But might not be his will. Really? That's convenient. It's an excuse for nothing happening. Is everybody with me, friends? And when you start with the wrong premise like that, then when something happens to somebody beside you that's way better than what you've got, how do you think about that? They got the house you always thought you'd want, you'd like. How do you think about that? Well, if you rejoice and agree that God gave it to them, well, why not believe for one yourself? That's right. But if you're going to believe it's not right, and if you want an excuse for your lack of vision, then you can judge them and find fault. And accuse them of having wrong priorities. 
and being materialistic. They should put that money into this or that. That's just a waste. That just bothers me. What bothers you? Why? What people are doing is they're stumbling and choking on that God is that real and that good. Y'all going to help me or not? One reason I'm talking about some of these things, Phyllis and I, over these past several years with things we're talking about, we've had to overcome this. Because the first, the first time I looked at it, I, t- I told you, I just thought, huh? Oh, man. No, it's too big. It's too much. Well, until you overcome that, you're never going to get there. And it's not because you don't have the money. You know we didn't have any of this. Even just a couple of years ago. It's, that's not the problem. The problem is overcoming the barriers inside yourself. Yes, yes. The wrong thinking. Mm-hmm. The limitations. The, the wrong believing. That's what happened with the uh, God's people out in the wilderness. Said they turned and limited the Holy One of Israel. He wanted to bring them out of Egyptian bondage right through the wilderness, into the promised land, give them vineyards they didn't plant, and orchards they didn't plant, houses they didn't build, and just give them an amazing, it sounds like an extravagant life. But it was too much for them. It was too much to believe it could be theirs. In spite of the giants, in spite of, uh, it was too much. They, they, they choked on it. They, they didn't believe it. They didn't accept it. And then they turned around and blamed somebody for it. Moses and Aaron. Right. And we don't want to judge anybody else. We just want to check our own heart and mind. And say I'm not going to do that. Amen. I'm not going to do that. Yes, sir. Is God that big? Yes. Is he real? Yes. But just stay with what we're talking about. Could God give you an airplane? But would he? <laughs> now you know what I think, but I'm talking about everybody. Would he? There's a whole lot of ple- people believe, no, he would not. And you hear people say things like, would Jesus wear a Rolex? And to them, the obvious answer is no. No, he would not. Well, I disagree. I disagree. You've got to be kidding me. No, I'm not kidding. Jesus did have some nice things. He received some extremely expensive items. Did he or not? Uh, go with me to... Uh, It's a little bit different day today, huh? Um, Go with me to Matthew, the 26th chapter. And then if you would also find John 12. I want you to uh, stretch your, uh, your heart and your understanding. You may hear some things a little different than what you've thought. 
Hmm? And uh, when you hear something that's different than what you thought, there, there are two big things you want to ask immediately. Don't just throw it away. Number one, is it true? Number two, where's the scripture? That's how we answer number one. Right? Is it true? Don't just accept something as a fact and a truth because somebody said it. I don't care who said it, me, anybody. Don't just accept it because somebody said it. Continually examine things, question them. Is this true? Is it true? And don't say, well, I think it is. That ain't good enough. Where's the scripture? Where's the scripture? Nothing else is solid ground to build your life on. Anything else can be, you can find out late that you were wrong. Uh, Matthew 26 and 7. There came to him a woman, Jesus, having an alabaster box of very precious ointment, and she poured it on his head as he sat at meat at food. And when his disciples saw it, what happened? They had indignation. Indignation. Dear me, what time is it? Wow. Is that right? What? Him, let's take some more time today. Is that all right? Let's take some more time today. Let's get through with what we're supposed to do. I'll endeavor not to go any longer than that. But I don't want to stop short of it either. When the disciples saw that this thing that this woman had done, which is the very picture of extravagant luxury. It's the very picture. Hmm? This is not food for somebody. This is not clothes for somebody. This is perfume ointment. And if you read the other verses, it talks about it could have been sold for 300 pence. A pence was about a day's wage for an average worker person. Well, then that's approaching a year's wage, 300 days. Well, it depends on what you're going to compare it to, but you're talking probably at least $30,000. And for what? Smell good for a little while. <laughs> it's the very picture of extravagant luxury. And that's what they said. They said, to what purpose is this waste? This is just thrown away. Who throws away 30 grand? This is nuts. They were indignant. Now, this is the same thing you hear with a lot of folks. They are indignant. What does indignant mean? They are, it, it grieves them is another way to say it. It bothers them, it grieves them, it angers them, indignant. I'm going to keep saying this because this is an identifier. When you see this and hear this, your antenna needs to go up. 
And there is a superiority in this. A judging that the person doing it not even seeing. Now, you'll hear people say, what a waste. What a waste on those TV cameras and those buildings and all those things. And especially an airplane, you've got to be joking me. What a total waste. A total waste. Who are they telling this to? Jesus. Who was it given to? Jesus. So who's it wasted on? Wasted on Jesus. And when they say this was a waste, you can, you can hear people say, well, this is a waste. That is a quote from the Bible. But Jesus never said it. Who said it? Judas? Iscariot. And the rest of the disciples joined him in it. They were led astray with it. It's a spiritual thing. Because you know who's really upset about it? The devil. That's who's really upset about it. And you got people that are yielding to the thinking and feeling that he's bringing to them. This indignation is from the enemy himself. He hates it. When any people of God get anything. Oh he hates it. His hatred for Job ran red hot. Why? Because Job was a completely righteous man. But that wasn't a kicker. He was a billionaire. And it choked the devil every day he saw him. Righteous and rich. Righteous and And he was around that hedge every day trying to see how to get to him. And he couldn't. The devil, there's never been a more proud being. There's never been a more materialistic, covetous being. He imagines himself a god. He wants all the money. He wants all the control. And he certainly doesn't want the people of God to have anything. Nothing. He wants you to where you can't even eat. He's a killer. He's a thief. Is it true or not? And yet you've got Christians talking like that. They don't realize what they're yielding to. Where is this indignation coming from? Bothers me so bad. Why? What's it to you? Wasn't your $30,000? They didn't give it to you. Or is that the problem? (laughs) The exact same word is used. When it said the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. Where is that coming from? It's coming from the same place. This religious junk pretending to be righteous and caring about the poor and other things. And just a great big phony bunch of junk. Lie. It's not true. There's something much more evil under it 
that's being covered with something that they think is holy. Y'all with me or not? Go to John 12, 3. John 12, 3. Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard. Very costly. Somebody say very expensive. When the Bible says very expensive, what do you know? This ain't no cheap stuff. This is very, we already said it's probably at least 30,000. It might be more than that. And she anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the ointment, the odor, fragrance of the ointment. Then said one of his disciples, and he told us which one, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Later, just, just very soon, he's going to betray the master. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence, $30,000, and given to the poor? Come on, put yourself into place. They're in this, in this uh, house. Mary comes in. She's got this beautiful box. You can tell when she, when she came in. Looks like a Fabergé egg. Now, for the day, this was some stuff here. This was something. And they said, oh, look at that. That is so beautiful. And everybody knew. You're talking about serious money right here. They might have been thinking. Somebody might have said, family might have said, I didn't know she had that. She came. Everybody's looking at it. She goes, master. Breaks it. And the house is just filled with the fragrance. Everybody goes, whoo-hoo-hoo. This is, reading later, Jesus said, this is a beautiful thing. This is a good thing. And in this special moment, how many would think, this is probably the nicest thing Mary had. This is the best thing she had. And instead of selling it or Buying a, a house on the lake or <laughs> all the 10,000 things she could have done. Come on, are y'all with me? She cares so much about the master. And she wants to express some kind of material way. Something you can see and feel. How she loves him. Which, how amazing he is in her eyes. How, how he has changed their life. Completely. And, and, and it came up in her heart. That's it. I can do this. I, I, I got it. Yes, that's it. That's it. And she planned it. I don't know how she did it. But she did it. The house is full of the fragrance. And you hear this voice. What? What a waste. This could have been sold for $30,000 and given to the poor. It's a voice that grates like nails on a chalkboard. It's the devil trying to ruin a beautiful moment. And it's done in the guise of caring about the poor. Which makes it doubly evil. Come on, can you see this? 
We need to identify all this talk about helping the poor. Used as justification to judge and condemn anything that somebody thinks is more money than it ought to be. What is it to Judas? This thing that just happened here. It's nothing to him. Why is he, what, what is he saying? See, people haven't put, haven't put this together maybe like they should. He's condemning her, judging her, calling her stupid. Is that right? For blowing all this money and wasting all this money. And he's acting like he cares more about the poor than the master. Did you know Jesus' main ministry was not giving to the poor? In this passage, he said, he said, the poor you have with you always, and you can do something for them anytime you want to. You leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing on me here. The main, now, Jesus did do some things for the poor. Judas had to bag. And there's one occasion where it said that Jesus told him something and they thought maybe he was going out to do something for the poor. So it's something that had happened. But you don't see very many references to that. The main thing Jesus did was preach the gospel to the poor. He said that's what he was anointed to do. Now there are people that scoff at that and mock. But it is the most important thing. The greatest need of man is spiritual. And if you say, well, you should help the poor. Wonderful. Do it. Do what you got on your heart. But don't judge somebody else. But if you do, let's say somebody's hungry. You give them something to eat. Somebody needs some clothes. You give them something to wear. Wonderful. What about tomorrow? What about next week? What about the rest of the year? Are you now their source? Are you going to take care of them from now on? Hmm? Are you? Are you supposed to be? It's great to help somebody when they're in need. It's great to have mercy on somebody. But God never intended that any man or woman be dependent on another man or woman. He is your source. Oh, come on, saints. And that's what the good news to the poor is. The good news to the lost is Jesus took your place. He took your sins. He paid the price. You can be righteous and saved. The good news to the sick is he took your infirmities. He bore your sicknesses. He carried your pains. By stripes you're healed. That's good news. Not I'm going to help you while you're sick. It's you don't have to stay sick. Not I'm going to try to comfort you in your sin. You don't have to stay in sin. And the same thing is true. Though he was rich, yet he became poor. Hallelujah. So that through that, you might be made rich. That's not a dollar amount. That's abundance of everything you need. The best of everything you need to do what you're called to do and need to do. People scoff and they mock and they said, uh, well, Jesus never had a jet. 
I ain't never had a car either. Or a tractor or a bicycle. Come on. So when that's the way you should be. Well, what about you? You should, you should live just like Jesus, they say. Well, why don't you practice what you preach? Show us how. We don't have the same assignment Jesus had. That was one of the things I told you you had to warm up to hear. Jesus was not doing the Great Commission. He gave that to us later. If you're going to live exactly like Jesus, then you're not going to get married. And that's the end of Christian children. And in a few years, there is no church. Huh? If you're going to live like Jesus, exactly like Jesus, you're not going to travel more than a few miles around your home area. He told them, I'm only sit to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's, my, that's the scope of my ministry. Hmm? Come on, are y'all with me? He didn't need a building for a church or a ministry or a way to travel. He was ministering right here for a very, if you're going to be just like Jesus, you're not going to live past about 33. See, people say these things, but they don't think them through, and it's not right. We have a different assignment than Jesus. He demonstrated to us for a very brief time how to live, how to pray, how to minister, but he's on a short track to the, to the cross. But once that's accomplished, then he tells all of us, I got it. All the authority, all the power in heaven and earth. Now you go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. Didn't he say it? He said, I'm going to build my church on this foundation. Is that right? He needs all of these things. Buildings. He needs marriages. He needs families. He wants children. He wants churches. Come on, are you listening? And ministries. And all of that requires some stuff. Yes, it does. Somebody says, well, Jesus didn't have a jet. He does now. (laughs) He does now. In fact, he's got several of them. (laughs) Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. The Bible said that Judas said that in John 12. When he said, why wouldn't this soul given to the poor? Verse 6, John 12, 6. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bore handled what was put in the bag. He's an embezzler. He didn't care about the poor. And yet he's saying, 
This should have been given to the poor. He didn't care about the woman. She's sowing, talk about a whopper chunk seed. Is that right? This is a very special moment in her life. No matter what you thought, how couldn't you had to been courteous? How come? How come you couldn't have been courteous enough to keep your mouth shut and let her have her moment? If she's missing it, that's between her and God. Ain't your money? She didn't care about her. He didn't care about her. He didn't care about Jesus. He didn't care about Jesus. He's he's acting like he cares more about the poor than the master in front of everybody. He's calling Jesus to task because he received this expensive gift publicly. No respect. You can tell what's wrong with him. His heart's so messed up. And just a few days later, he sells him for 30 pieces of silver. That's the kind of spirit that's going on when you hear these kind of things. Now, there are crooks around. You know that. But they're not just preachers and, and believers. They're in all walks of life. Right? People lying and stealing. How am I going to avoid that? Listen to the Holy Spirit. He checks you don't give there, then don't give there. You'll be in good shape. Don't get involved in that, then don't get involved in that. But it doesn't do away with the, the real. It doesn't change the truth. Matthew 7. We'll close, I think. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus said, you're going to Matthew 7. He said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has wrought a good work on me. For you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me, you have not always. What's he saying? Here's another thing you may have to stretch a little bit to hear. The poor are not more important than the word. Jesus said so. He demonstrated it. It's great to help people in need. You know that. But to act like that's the only thing that God cares about, to act like that's more important than anything else, it's... Go into all the world and help the poor is not the Great Commission. Why? Because the main thing the poor need, just like the lost and sick and anybody else, is the Word of God. The anointed Word of God that saves, heals, delivers. The Lord, thank God somebody got fed a meal today. He wants a whole lot more. He wants you to come completely out of it so that you're not the man or woman in need anymore. So that you found out God supplies all my needs and he uses you to finance things and underwrite things. That's the plan of God. In fact, if you read the scripture in the Old Testament when he was giving them the law, he said, if you do this to the end, there will be no more poor among you. That's his plan. That it, it would, the poor would cease to be a category. But then not too long later, he said, but the poor you're going to have with you. Which is what Jesus is quoting. Why? Because people ain't going to listen to God. You got, a, you got a movement in this country right now of millions of people that are godless in their thinking and think somebody owes them everything. And want something for nothing. And if God is not your source, there's only one other place to look. 
That's in each other. Also called the government. But that's godless. That's godless thinking. It's godless planning. Aren't you glad you and I are not blind about this? I know who I have believed. Hallelujah. And I'm fully persuaded that he's able to keep me and help me and meet my needs. Come on, anybody know who your source is? Who's your, who's your source? He's unlimited. He can do anything. And here's the other part. He wants to. <laughs> not only can he, he wants to do things that just, as we say uh, with the world slogan, that blow your mind. He, he wants to do things that you just have to go, Okay, I'll receive it. I know they're going to talk about me, but okay. I will receive it because you are this good. You are this good. You are this good. Matthew 7 and 7. Hallelujah. If you're a first-time visitor with us today, <laughs> you're getting an earful. I know you are. <laughs> I appreciate you holding on. This is an unusual day for us. He said, ask, and what will happen? Might not be God's will. Seek, and you just never know. Knock. Keep on knocking. And just keep on knocking. Don't quit knocking. But, you know, ultimately you just... Never know. Verse 8. For everyone that asks receives. He that seeks finds. To him that knocks it shall be opened. Keep reading. What man is there of you whom if his son asks bread will he give him a stone? He says I know you asked for a piece of bread but here. Take this rock. It's not my will for you to have some nice bread. I want you to have this rock. He said, which daddy among you will do that? No good father or mother is going to do that. Verse 10. If he asks a fish, will he give him a snake? Daddy, I'd really like to have some, some of that fresh perch. He said, here, have a water moccasin. <laughs> Daddy, I'd really like to have some of that fried catfish. Here, have a rattlesnake. Why is Jesus even talking about this? Why is he bringing this up? Because we got millions of Christians and preachers trying to tell us that God gave us a snake. And God gave us a rock. And we, we thought bread and fish was good, but we don't know, you know, God's mysterious. And, and if he says a snake is good, we'll just bear your cross. Why is he talking about it? Verse 11. If you then, natural human beings, mothers and fathers, being evil. This is back before people were even born again. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, hmm? how much more? Have you ever shouted about how much more? How much more? 
I know my mom and dad, my growing up, they gave me everything they could. They wanted me. It, it, there was nothing that was too nice for me. They did everything they could and wanted me to have more and still want me to have more. If God wanted you to live on the basest level and he didn't want you to have a nice place to live or nice cars or anything, if he didn't want you to do, have that, he'd be out of step with all his creation of mothers and fathers in the earth. Is this what we're to believe? Or are we to believe he is much more desirous, even than the best parents there ever were, that you have the best, wear the best, ride in the best, fly the best, be able to do the best for the gospel and the church? How many think the church ought to have the best buildings and the best cameras and the best stuff? Is it true? Best children's facilities. Best mission equipment. Is that right? Yes, sir. Missionaries, they don't need to wore out Jeeps. They need the brand new top of the line stuff. But see, you're not going to have that. You're not going to have that as long as you're toying with these ideas. Well, that might be too much. That might, too much for who? That might, that's just too much money. For who? Who said it was too much? Well, they'll talk. You need to forget about them talking. Your life is soon going to be over. Do not let somebody tell you who God is. And a lot of these people are the loudest. They don't even believe in God. You're going to let them tell you who Jesus is and what he does? What the will of God is? Somebody say no, 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 no. I believe it. If parents want to give good things to their kids, my father is way out beyond that. Way out beyond that. Hmm? Somebody say, how much more? How much? How much more will your Father which is in heaven give you good things? Good things? How much more means not only would He give you a piece of bread, He says, oh, so you like bread? I give you a bakery. That's right. That's right. You like bread? Give you a bakery. That's right. <laughs> oh, you want a fish? I give you a fishing business. Huh? <laughs> How'd you like to own Starkist? Huh? <laughs> I'm t- this is how God is. You look at it and go, well, I wasn't talking about Starkist. He said, well, I-, I was just getting started. <laughs> Is God this big? Is he this good? Let's stop letting people choke us and dumb us down and try to shame us. Come on, are you listening? It's the devil underneath this. And they're trying to justify it with the phony care for the poor. It's a lie. First of all, how you know we hadn't done anything for the poor? And if you're going to be a doer and not a judge, if you really cared about the poor, you wouldn't be fussing about what we've got. You'd be out doing something for the poor. The people that fuss about, well, you know, that's impossible. Have a jet or a boat or that kind of thing. You should put that money in the gospel. If they really believed that, they would not own a personal car. They would ride the bus or the train and put the extra money for the poor. They're a hypocrite. They don't believe it. not true. 
Let's do things for the poor. But the greatest thing you could ever do for the poor is tell them the good news. The good word of God. Faith come in their heart. They get saved. They find out who their source is. And it could be by week after next. They don't need your help anymore. Yeah, help them while they need it. But don't be satisfied to leave them there. Has God brought you from somewhere? He brought us from somewhere. He'll bring them from where they are. The Bible said he takes people out of the garbage pile and he sits them with princes. That's what he delights in doing. That's what he gets pleasure out of doing. Somebody say, how much more? Stand on your feet. How much more? How much more? Not only is he good... But how much more good? How much more? How much more gooder yet is our great Father God? Hallelujah. I think we ought to lift our hands and give thanks to God again. Lord, we worship you. We say your goodness is amazing. And we we believe we've barely touched it. Throughout the ages to come, you're going to reveal to us the exceeding riches of your grace that you've accomplished for us in Jesus our Lord. Said out loud, Father God, I do believe you are real. And you are God. Almighty. Nothing. Is too hard for you. I also believe. You are good. Everybody. That seriously seeks you. You do good things. In their life. Exceeding abundantly. Above. What they have asked or thought. Help me. To become immune. To the ravings. And the indignation. And the judging. Of those who think wrong. Ungodly thinking. Devilish thinking. And help me. Enlarge my insides. That I may embrace. More and more and greater and greater of your goodness and your vision and your plan until we are blessed on the level you intend and we are blessing others. You're doing it through us on the level you intend. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.